With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. The theme continues here at the baseball winter meetings as we had plans to do something else, but ta-da! Change uh, within the last couple of hours from San Diego. And uh, we'll get right into it. Now, I I will tell you before we begin this edition of the show, I have gotten reports from members of the Maller Militia that uh, several national television personalities have so little knowledge of baseball, they are so uneducated on baseball, they did not even talk about the Garrett Cole signing. Uh, Now, I, I don't know. I was sleeping, so I don't know if this is accurate or not, but... You guys like to rat out other people, some of you idiots, and uh, you were telling me that some uh, some people were avoiding the Garrett Cole signing because they just don't know baseball, and I thought, wow, that's pretty crazy. And it's the biggest contract in baseball for a pitcher of all time, and these guys don't know. Anyway, but but we don't care. I'm mean, here. We talk about baseball. So the, the big story, Anthony Rendon has said uh, adios muchachos to the uh, Washington Nationals there. He has said goodbye, uh, see you later. Racist. And uh, he has agreed to join a new team. That's right. And, um, of course, we buried the lead. We didn't bury the lead. We gave the lead away right away at the beginning here. It's not going to go to the – he's not going to the Rangers. Is he going to the Dodgers? No, he's not going to the Dodgers. Uh, is he going back to the Nationals? No. Uh, Anthony Rendon has crossed over the pearly gates and will now wear a halo. Normally you have to die to wear a halo, or you can make $300 million or close to it to play professional baseball. 
in beautiful Anaheim, uh, California. Even though the Angels claim they're in Los Angeles, they're in, in the OC. Uh, and so the Angels and Anthony Rendon agreeing to a seven-year contract for a reported $245 million. I think if you just drive by the hotel the winter meetings are at in San Diego, you'll get like an extra 50 bucks in your wallet. I, it's, it's, it's insane here. It works out to $35 million average annual uh, contract value for the third baseman who helped the Nationals with that natitude, win the 2019 World Series. They say there's no opt-outs. There's a full no-trade clause, a very important. God forbid you get traded. Uh, I'd rather have a trade kicker where I get like an extra $20 million if I get traded. I'd be, be open to that. There's no deferrals in the contract. Rendon's 29 years old, so seven-year contract. Do the math on that. That takes him till his mid-30s. So he better do well the first part of that contract because the backside is not going to be very kind. And he had a good year last year. He was a National League MVP candidate guy, a 319 batting average, 34 home runs, 126 RBIs, big numbers, and the championship. And he's a very good defensive player. And he will now play the hot corner in Anaheim. Nothing's been hot around the Angels for a very long time there. Apparently other than the fentanyl, but uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, anyway, let's discuss the question. Will Anthony Rendon be able to live up to a seven-year, $245 million contract? The answer I will give for this is the answer I give for all of these contracts. Absolutely not. Nobody, nobody has lived up for the entire body of these contracts, these elephant contracts that have been handed out. Now, that said... It is still an A-plus move for the Angels. We give the Angels credit. That's a good job by them. Uh, They got the guy they wanted, and now they're on their way. Uh, So my views, you've got Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, 1980s sitcoms, and the dunce cap. And we will put all of this together and form the meat and potatoes of this Mallard monologue. Now, first of all, uh, this is just this is a solid baseball. But I, I like guys like Anthony Rendon. I mean, typically those kind of guys don't get stage fright when they get the big money. You know what I'm saying? Like some guys, you, they're a little tentative, and you think, oh, I don't think this person can handle it. I, I've never gotten that sense. Not that I am a, a historian of Anthony Rendon, but he appears to be a professional hitter and just like a solid dirt dog kind of a baseball player who I don't even think like loves baseball. I think he's made comments in the past that he doesn't really love baseball. He just loves what baseball provides to him. And, uh, yeah, a lot, there's a lot of people like that. I understand. You know, it makes sense. Why not? Uh, and now he gets to team up with Mike Trout for plausibly the next seven years in the OC to form a killer one-two punch in Anaheim. And this doesn't change the balance of power in the American League. It's not like the you know the Yankees are no longer the favorites a day after they were put in as the favorites because of Garrett Cole. However, this gives the Angels a path to salvation. And to actually be a legitimate team, and it's it's you know, only money. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's Artie Marino's money, and he's worth $2 billion. And I'm assuming they've done the finances. The bean counters have put all this out there, and they can afford it. And they, There's a thing in television, and actually a lot of businesses have this. It's a lost leader. Uh, for years, the most expensive television contract uh, on you know, for many, many years was Monday Night Football, when it was on ABC and whatnot. It was a lost leader. I remember talking to a guy who worked at ABC, and he would say how much they lost on the Monday Night Football. This is back when it was a big deal. I mean, the best game now, nobody's, you know, bad games every week pretty much. But back then, now it's the Thursday night package, which is the ridiculous you know, deal where it is a lost leader still, but they get huge ratings and they can make, they can sell it and package it with other stuff. But the point is, Artie Marino, the Angels owner, is not going to be going on food stamps uh, anytime soon. He's not going to worry about that. And the new skipper, Joe Madden, is a quick fix guy. He's He's got to establish the, the different attitude with the, the Angels. Not not an attitude, halo-tude, uh, which doesn't sound as good. Angel-tude, that sounds bad also. They've got to come up with something. They've got to come up with something because uh, they got to study the ship there, and I believe Madden will do that. The Angels have been chronic underachievers, and uh, they, they have a guy, Madden, who usually gets his teams to overachieve. That's been his M.O., over the years, whether he has to hypnotize some of those pitchers, uh, Rendon will help. 
He will absolutely help. Uh, they will provide, if you think about Rendon and Mike Trout, providing the soundtrack of a sweet duet. Like, what's the greatest duet you've ever... Like, most people would say back in the old days, uh, Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, Endless Love, right? One of the great duets of all time. I think it's been voted the greatest duet of all time. But you got uh, some of the other greats. Michael Jackson Ooh. teamed up with McCartney. You had... Uh, you can go down to Jay-Z and Alicia Keys back in the day with that empire, whatever state of mind, or whatever it was. Uh, if, if you have Anthony Rendon, I'm assuming he's going to bat behind Mike Trout. And so you have a one, two, three punch. Tommy LaStella, who is a decent major league player leading off. Mike Trout, number two. And then Rendon, that's pretty good. That's a pretty solid one, two, three punch for the Angels at the top of the, uh, the lineup there uh, this coming season. Secondly, uh, anyone who has even watched the Angels, you know, kind of in passing, because who actually goes out of their way to watch the Angels that much? Like in passing, you know what I mean? Like uh, the the offense is not the problem. The, the Angels had a decent enough offense. The problem has been they are madly deficient in pitching. And uh, Anthony Rendon, he had to pull an Otani and try to pitch is what he should do. If I'm Artie Marino, I say, I don't know how fast you can throw a, ba- a baseball, but I'd like to have you pitch every other Wednesday. Just why not? Uh, the, the Angels pitching staff, the way I would describe their pitching staff over the last few years has been crash and burn. Uh, they crash and burn up. Um, Garbage. About four out of five starts. They cause dizziness. Headaches and nausea, uh, the starting pitches mainly in Anaheim. And and some of those faces are going to change this offseason. But the big fish are off the pond. Uh, they've already been caught. Ste- uh, Steven Strasburg, gone. Garrett Cole, gone. Uh, they're not coming in that locker room in Anaheim. And so the, the Angels are said to be interested in Mad Bum and Hyun Jin Ryu, uh, along with Corey Kluber, who they'd have to trade for from the Cleveland Indians and some of the fallback options there. If they get one of those guys, that's that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Any, any of those guys would be would be fine. Now, does Anthony Rendon make the Angels a contender? Is that the question? Does he make not by himself, but I do expect the Halos to be a postseason team in 2020. I believe they will be in the American League playoffs. I am a Kool-Aid drinker of the Joe Madden Stickala, his dogma. Uh, I'm all about it. And so I I believe in Joe Madden that he will find a way with duct tape and spit to get this team a good enough pitching staff to end up in the postseason. And plus the Mariners are going to stink again. The Rangers look to be average. I think the Rangers are about an average team unless they make some wild moves over the next month or so. The A's will be competitive. They're always competitive and the Astros lost Garrett Cole and they have the cloud of scandal by the way we'd like to alert we'd like to alert all our affiliates we have a nice espionage scandal update coming up later in the program so we look forward to that no one else in overnight sports radio is covering the Astros cheating scandal quite like we are Uh, bang bang whistle whistle while you work that's all we got it all covered we got the flop sweat of A.J. Hinch. We got everything you need right there. But this opens up. If the Astros are dinged like they should be by Major League Baseball, you got to think iconic 1980s sitcoms, the Jeffersons, right? Because if, if the Astros go down, then the Angels will be moving on up to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky, all right, that, which means the playoffs uh, for them, and they, they will get finally a piece of that playoff pie there in the OC. All right, final thought. So many are saying that the big loser in this is the Nationals because they had a World Series team and Anthony Rendon left, and now they kept Strasburg, but they don't have the the glue guy, Anthony Rendon, to that lineup. I, I say no. The dunce cap, the dunce cap goes on the head of the Dodgers. All right, let's be fair here. The Dodgers get to wear the dunce cap for now. Now they could move the dunce cap to somebody else, but for this moment, the dunce cap goes to uh, the one and only uh, Dodger GM, Andrew Friedman. They didn't get Steven Strasburg, didn't have a chance at him. Garrett Cole, they tried, didn't get him. Anthony Rendon, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. You get nothing. You go home. Uh, There's more than one way. Now, I will defend the Dodgers to a point that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, and, And so, Andrew Friedman. Loser. 
avoids these long contracts. He does not like the $200 million-plus contracts that gives him constipation. Uh, He cannot handle that. He prefers to keep his options open. They use buzzwords like flexibility. They love the term flexibility. Unfortunately, that flexibility, versatility, and all these interchangeable parts for Dave Roberts to like players in that spot have resulted in a lack of clutch play. And all these blue-chip Dodger players, almost all of them, have one thing in common. They're choke artists in big games in the playoffs. They can, they're fine in the regular season, but these guys can't hit at all. It's like they're blindfolded. It's like they're blindfolded in these playoff games. And you look at like a, a guy like Juan Soto. If Juan Soto had been a Dodger minor leaguer, he would have batted 118 for the Nationals in the playoffs. But no, he's with the Nationals, so the guy's hitting bombs. The guy's hitting moonshots. I liked him in that spot. I really did. Yeah, because he doesn't have that stigma, that Dodger minor league stigma, where these guys come up and they're blue-chip guys and they're coddled and they can't uh, handle, apparently, these pressure situations. And so the Dodgers, they got been a clown show in these in these big games in the play. They get to the playoffs usually, and they they just disappear. And Anthony Rendon would have solved that problem because he does ooze the clutch, clutch baseball. At least he did last year. Now Friedman, see, here's my theory on this. He is stuck with this Tampa Bay Rays mindset. He is obsessed with finding diamonds in the rough. I am. I. I was texting. Uh, several people were texting me all of a sudden when Rendon went to the Angels, and they know I'm a Dodger apologist. And so I. I came up with what I thought was a great reply that I believe Andrew Friedman, if you gave him some truth serum, the, the executive of the Dodgers, that he would rather find a Max Muncie off the scrap heap from the Oakland A's and turn him into an All Star level player then sign a guy like Anthony Rendon. That to, to, to Friedman, that is a more important thing than getting the great player. Even though the Dodgers, you're not in, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore. You're in L.A. They got the money. They, they, I mean, stop. He obsesses with these overlooked and ignored guys, and he loves those type of players. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So here we are back again this hour. Now, uh, we're going to start with this last hour, but we got sidetracked because there was another big baseball signing. Another big baseball signing. The Angels agree to terms with Anthony Rendon. He leaves the World Series champion Nationals to go hang out in Newport Beach and play baseball for the uh, Angels there. But in basketball last night, uh, there's certain nights in sports that are like made-for-TV spectacles. Uh, Wednesday was one of those. The much-anticipated and ballyhooed return of Kawhi Leonard to Toronto. Now, I don't know if you checked this out or not. I, of course, watched the game. When Kawhi plays, I watch. When he doesn't play, I usually don't watch. Uh, but the entire arena, they're standing uh, on their feet, just regaling uh, Kawhi Leonard with chance of MVP there as he returned to Toronto and was celebrated as a champion, received his championship ring, and Leonard of course, left the Raptors, and they had the media in Toronto had unbelievable coverage of that, an unreal coverage of Kawhi Leonard as he was going to meet with Masai Ujiri. It was like OJ chase coverage with helicopters following Kawhi's car, people in downtown Toronto leaving their jobs to go keep a, get a peek at, at Kawhi Leonard, but there he was back wearing that clip, that beautiful Clipper uniform. There, just marvelous, uh, just looking great. Uh, and he played in the game, and the the game itself is not as big a deal as Kawhi's return. He got a huge ovation, and that's people reacting to that. And many people are writing columns about, "Oh, this is just wonderful. This is just the way it's supposed to be," and blah 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 blah. So let's discuss the question: What did you make of what turned out to be a lovey-dovey kind of a night for Kawhi Leonard from the Toronto Raptor fans. Now, I've got Cornball, Mr. October, and Pontoon Boat. And we will tie all these things together, much like the, if you look at the NFL, the team in Cincinnati ties their shoelaces together. We're going to tie these things together. Now, A, uh, these over-the-top ceremonies, I've been on the microphones of Fox Sports Radio, the very powerful microphones 
of Fox for uh, for a fair amount of time, and and I've been here through number of these type of return engagements, and these things are not for me. Uh, I am not the type of person that enjoys these type of things, so you have to understand that. And after the public address announcer in Toronto introduced the four other Clippers in the starting lineup, the Raptors showed an almost two-minute video tribute with Kawhi Leonard's highlights and all that and uh, from last year with the Raptors, his only year in Toronto. And at one point, they did this little thing with the lights that everyone was so impressed with where they put the lights on. It went completely dark, and they had the lights just where you know Kawhi Leonard had gone on the, the three-point uh, shot, the ball that bounced up there in Game 7 against Philadelphia in the semifinals and uh, show the reaction of Kawhi Leonard. My reaction was, uh, that's nauseating. Uh, my reaction is, boy, that's obnoxious. Uh, and it made me want to puke. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. That's really, you know, just, you know, I'm trying to play a game. You know, what, what are you doing? Uh, and uh, listen, Kawhi Leonard, last I checked, is an NBA player. He's a good NBA player, uh, not a god. Uh, and, and this, this sappy, sentimental uh, stuff... If you want to do it, I, I know people do it because it's marketing and all that stuff, but you, you still not right before a game. Do it at, if you want to do it when these guys retire, I fine. Just do it on a night where there's no game. Uh, and you know, I, I enjoy my cornbread. I don't like my cornball. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like my cornbread. I don't like my cornball. Uh, so stop with the whole cheesy, over-sentimental uh, nonsense. Now, part B, and this is what I really want to address. I buried the lead. Don't bury the lead, my man. I buried the lead. To me, this was a disappointing night for our brothers and sisters in Canada, in Toronto. Uh, we have listeners in Toronto. We do pretty well there. I've guys, I had a guy drive down from Toronto to hang out with us in Boston back in April. But the Raptor fan, this is a bad night for the Toronto Raptor fans. And many, I have the opposite opinion. I'm, I'm 180 degrees away from all these bleeding heart bloggers who are writing these stories about the Toronto Raptor fans. They got to do better. You know what I like? When a player comes back, like when Kawhi went back to San Antonio and there was snake venom uh, from the people of San Antonio towards Kawhi Leonard. I like that. The wound was real. The cut was was deep. That's the way it should be. That is the way it is supposed to be. Kawhi Leonard is not wearing a Toronto Raptor uniform. He will never wear a Toronto Raptor uniform again. He is wearing different laundry. He is now an enemy combatant. And it was actually, I believe, disrespectful of the Toronto fan to cheer and relish Kawhi Leonard and, and throw rose petals at him. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you why it was disrespectful by Toronto to Kawhi Leonard. Because booing is the ultimate sign of respect in sport. Not cheering, booing. That's right. Boo major. That's how it's supposed to be. And when fans go out of their way to jeer, hiss, and throw raspberries at you, that means you are a boss. You are the boss. Do you understand that? Uh, there's a great quote that they don't boo nobodies. That's the saying from Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, who used to get booed all the time, million years ago, Hall of Fame baseball player. They don't boo nobodies. Now, someday the Raptors will bring back Kawhi Leonard, and they will give him the full hero worship package, the full Monty. That includes number retirement, the ring of honor, and statue, all three. Every box will be checked. And at that point, they can then canonize uh, Kawhi Leonard. All right, last thing. So Kawhi Leonard is a, a, a bit of a weird cat. Uh, he, um, weirdo, uh, a hell of a player, but he is aloof and withdrawn and all that. We know all the stories here. 99.9% of NBA players are show ponies and drama queens, right? This is in the 0.1% where Kawhi is not like that. But, uh, you know, say what you want about Kawhi. He does not play to the cameras. Like, they really wanted this emotional, over-the-top reaction and all that from Kawhi Leonard, and he didn't give it to him. He didn't give it. Like, he's one of those guys that's not a look-at-me guy. Uh, he's not. And uh, speaking of the reaction, let's go inside the locker room. Here's uh, Doc Rivers, the Clipper coach there. He's living large, and uh, he had tremendous praise. He really loved everything I just ripped. That ovation 
to him was was very heartfelt. There's no doubt about that, uh, and it meant a lot to him. I thought what the Raptors did overall, like the the, the video, the players coming out, all of them uh, who played with them. That's the best that I've seen since I've been in the league. So, uh, I mean, that's that's a really classy move by the organization and then by by the fans as well. Well, see, the way I would write the story if I was writing the story was that Doc Rivers takes shot at Lakers and Celtics. Because who else does these kind of sappy ass tributes other than I mean those teams are at the top of the list, right? I mean you uh, you you played on a Laker team that won a championship. They'll put a carnival out front of the arena to celebrate you. That's how that goes there. Um, anyway, I, how about Kawhi himself? Kawhi talking about being back in Toronto in the night now, Dunskies. You know, it pretty much comes a full circle now, being able to get the ring and, um, you know, see where the hard work and stuff um, came from. But it's more than that. It's just a journey. But um, for me, as far as playing, um, you know, for the city, the chapter been kind of closed uh, once I came over with the Clippers. But um, still love the city. You know, those guys uh, on the team, the players, the coaching staff, I still have love for them, and I wish them the best. That's not the most uh, interesting thing in the world. Uh, Kawhi did say something very interesting. We'll share that uh, a little bit later. But uh, as for the game itself, as the sideboard, Tor- Toronto actually looked pretty good the first 12 minutes. They had the lead after the first quarter, and the Clippers then outscored the Raptors by 25 points over the 36 minutes that were left in the game. A, a nice baby step. For the Clippers, Toronto's a good team, not a great team. They're a good team now without Kawhi Leonard. But the Clippers are floating along on a pontoon boat through the regular season. They're not giving it the full throttle. They're trying to pace themselves like a thoroughbred horse. You know, you don't don't try to win the Kentucky Derby through the first part of the race. You have to wait to down the stretch they come. And even with that, where they're not even trying, they're the second best team in the Western Conference of the NBA. That should scare the bedeegers out of everybody, uh, is what it should do. I mean, that is wildly good when they're not even trying. Uh, the, the team is wicked talented. Kawhi Leonard had a good stat line. He had 23 points, six assists, five rebounds, a lot of garbage time where he was not playing. And the Clippers had seven players in double figures in that game. Team ball. Team ball, uh, not top-heavy like uh, the Lakers. Uh, and we'll, we'll have some more Kawhi audio uh, later because Kawhi blew everyone away with the uh, some, some details about his ring, details about his ring. It is the Ben Maller Show as we press on here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios and all that good stuff. Uh, coming up later in the show, we, uh, we usually have Ask Ben. This is an Ask Ben day. Your questions, our answers. Hashtag Ask Ben. Try our Facebook page as well. And we will have some other special features mixed in. Eddie will have Puck the World. We've got uh, another game show, The Last Hour, all kinds of nonsense. To the phones we go, though, right now. And let's say hello to Angry Bill, who's up first this hour before we hang up on him. Hello, Angry Bill. Is he already gone? Oh, thank you. Sweet baby Jesus. All right. Uh, we said we don't have to take his phone call. We can hang up. There you go. Uh, let's try Manny in El Paso. Hello, Manny. Hello, Mr. Mallow. I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. Thank you for taking my uh, call. It's my favorite radio cliche. First-time, long-time. I love that, Manny. So why is this night different than all other nights? Why did you decide to give us the, the blessing of a phone call tonight? Usually I'm working later in the night, so I get to hear you only for for the uh, for the as uh, the quick advice line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the instant advice. I, line. That's yeah. usually yeah. that's usually what I get to hear. This time they switch my shift around, so I'm actually hearing you on the way home. So now I'm parked outside in my car, oh, waiting to go inside, right. and I'm here all talking to you. All right. Well, I won't keep you then. So we'll get right to the meat of the call here because I know you have some good stuff, right, Manny? Well, uh, I'm still on cloud nine with Garrett Cole uh, uh, getting uh, getting signed by the Yankees. But I, w- I wanted to ask you, what have been the biggest busts for the Yankees as far as players? Stanton and Nelsbury, of course, are still up, up there. But I- I'm going back to, like, Randy Johnson, Jack McDowell, Danny Tartable, Steve Sachs. I don't even remember what if Steve Sachs even played a game with the, with the Yankees. Well, he but did. he was fine he, for he, a while. He played a, he played a bunch of games with the Yankees. And, uh, yeah, he was bad. I mean, Chuck. Carl Pavano. Chuck Knobloch forgot how to throw. That was odd. He had some decent 
<laughs> he had some decent years, but you said Carl Pavano is your your yeah, Roberto yelled out uh, Carl Pavano. Pavano uh, was you know, that, you know yeah. the guy. And, and there was a guy, and this is one. This is back before I started hating the draft. No one ever pays attention to the baseball draft, but the Yankees had uh, a number one pick, Brian Taylor, who is considered the greatest baseball draft bust of all time. They hyped this guy up as a uh, an all-world everything and he I don't think he ever made it past like a ball or something in the minor league. he never he never got to the major leagues Brian Taylor I do remember and his it, rookie cards were were exaggerated price oh, already yeah, yeah. Uh, listed in the books and everything oh my god I even have his uh, cards do, still. I'm like who's this guy uh, don't even, don't even get me started man I collected baseball cards and then I, I saw a documentary about baseball cards a couple years ago I, I thought I was going to get rich on these upper deck baseball cards and those scumbags at upper deck at the time the baseball card company just kept printing more cards because the cards were worth a lot of money and so they just kept printing them and all these dopey kids like myself thought that we were going to get rich and stern Instead, they just get anytime the, the you know the price was like forty dollars a card, so they're like, all right, let's let's print n- trays of Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards because these idiots will buy them. And uh, yeah, so there you go, wonderful. Uh, I got another one for you. Speaking of Yankee bus, man, I this is one of my favorite memories with the Yankees. So the Yankees were in L.A. to play the Dodgers in an exhibition game years ago. And it was uh, during batting practice, and they made this guy cover first base. It was so embarrassing. Hideki Arabo. You're going to go with Arabo? Oh, my God. George Steinbrenner, uh, I forget. He called him like the big fat toad or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, Arabo, I think he took his own life a couple years ago. But uh, but he was, I mean, that was one of the great busts of all time. They thought that guy was going to be like winning Cy Young Awards every year. He dominated, uh, you know, in his home country. And, uh, yeah. Regis Feldman had a joke about him. Like, yeah, the Yankees' new pitcher, Hidaki, I rob you. Like, oh, my God, Regis Feldman's making jokes about him. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that's uh, that's not bad. Uh, all right. Well, man, thank you, uh, man. You've, you've broken the ice here. This is an amazing phone call. All right, I will let you go there. This is uh, the great uh, Manny. Didn't uh, Kevin Brown left the Dodgers? Didn't he go to the Yankees? He wasn't very good with the Yankees, Yeah, he wasn't right? good with the Yankees at all. Not really. And a douche also, you know. Dude for the Dodgers, also you, working with the Dodgers when he was there. Uh, yeah, I was around the team when he was oh. there. Yeah, he was uh, very <laughs> surly. Uh, <laughs> did not. Uh, but but to be fair to Kevin Brown, he treated the people that had the power the same as the people that didn't have the power. You know, like some people. Uh, there's one. Um, well, there's a couple of women I know, but one in particular. It's a, a sideline reporter in sports, and she. Uh, when she's around people below her, she's a, a total uh, pain in the ass. You know, uh, I don't know if I can say. Uh, but when she's around people that are ahead of her, uh, you know, on the, on the, the the totem pole, she's like this sweet, flirtatious. It's I, 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 I was like it's so I, I, it's it's hilarious. Anyway, there's a lot of people like that. I I understand. I treat everyone the same. Like crap. That's uh, I'm like Kevin Brown. That's that's how we do it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. Coop Dalu. Ben, in the midst of all this drama at USC, it's it's crazy to think that they had Ed Orgeron and they let him go. Well, now he's coaching the number one team in the country. <laughs> it's being reported. Coach Yo. Yeah, apparently Roberto thinks that's funny. Uh, it's being reported uh, that USC didn't hire him because, yeah. quote, they didn't like the way he sounded. Well, it wasn't just that, Coop. Said yeah. they didn't have that country club feel. Yeah. Ben, you, you buying all this? Oh, and not only am I buying it, it's the gospel. It's a thousand percent true. That was part of the story. I am convinced, and I, I have people that are somewhat close to the situation that I know that I correspond with. I am convinced that Ed Orgeron was passed over for two reasons. He was not a big name, and he didn't look and sound the way a USC football coach is supposed to look and sound. It is that elitist uh, mindset of that university, the people that, that are part of the alumni there, that uh, they want their coach out of central casting and they want him to look and sound a certain way. Appearance matters, and Coach O looks and sounds like a Cajun Fred Flintstone. Uh, he would be a great Muppet character, like, uh, he, but he doesn't seem like a great football coach. Uh, to me, he looks like a, he's a big fat guy. He looks like a football coach. But for USC, they're like, no, we want a guy to look a certain way. They want to get a John McKay type of coach, a Pete Carroll type of coach. And B, Clay Helton. Here's the thing. like The guy that's coaching USC now, Clay Helton looks and sounds like a good football coach. 
It's the persickety, uh, persnickety problem of actually having to win games on the field that's the problem. Coach O, in addition to being a cartoon character like Fred Flintstone, to me, he sounds like a winner. Uh, now, I, I will also tell you that the people at USC are very snobbish, and they say, well, let's wait and see what happens when Joe Burrow is not the quarterback at LSU, and, and Coach O should be washing Joe Burrow's car for the next 10 years because that quarterback, that Heisman, he's going to win the Heisman this weekend, Joe Burrow, uh, is the reason that Coach O is regaled. All right, next... Now, Troy Aikman said in an interview this week that he sees another frontier for his career within football. Yeah. Uh, this time as a uh, as a GM, possibly. Ben, uh-huh. could you see him getting offered a front office spot, and would he leave his cushy TV job to do it? All right, so the way this is, if Aikman wants a job, he's going to get a job as an executive in the NFL, guaranteed. First of all, Aikman has been getting more and more surly. Remember he got into it with the Buffalo radio guy last year? He's He's fighting back. He's like getting into these little tussles with people. He's been much more contentious and irritable of late. So Aikman's been at Fox since uh, early 2000, 18 years now, 18 or 19 years he's been at Fox Sports commenting on NFL games. And it sounds to me like he is ready for a change. It sounds to me like he's ready for a change, looking at the anecdotal evidence. And secondly, Aikman saw John Lynch, who was a Fox commentator, go to the 49ers, get a chance to run a front a front office and and be somewhat responsible for the Niners turnaround. And he knows every owner in the NFL watches these Thursday night NFL games and in the big games Aikman does on Fox on Sunday. And he has the ear of the billionaire boys club. So he would absolutely get a gig if he wants one, if he wants to to do it. All right, next Ben star rookie John Morant has launched a personal campaign to get the NBA to move cameramen off the baseline. And Morant missed time due to getting kneed in the back by a cameraman last month. He said that the NBA needs to be prioritizing player safety. Do you think the NBA will make some changes? Not because of him. No, they're not going to make changes because of John Morant. Uh, number one, as uh, LeVar Ball taught me years ago, number one. stay in your lane! Uh, that was what LeVar Ball taught me. And John Morant has been tagged as a player who's going to be great. I think he'll be pretty good, but he doesn't have a resume yet in the NBA. This pops up every generation, every few years. There's some player that steps on a camera and and gets injured. They want the cameras banished. Nothing ever comes of it. So far, the only thing they have done is to protect the players. They they used to have a camera at midcourt. Guy would sit on his ass at midcourt and swivel around, but they got rid of that. That's the only move that they have made, and you look at bigger names like Dennis Rodman back in his day complained about this. He kicked the guy in the nuts on the sidelines. LeBron James got injured hitting someone on the sidelines. They didn't change it because of LeBron James. They're not going to change it because of John Moran. And the ugly little secret here, secondly, is that the NBA is at the mercy of television. The TV people like that shot. It's not a primary shot, but they get a lot of close-ups. You can see the sweat on the gladiators on the court. It makes for good television, and so that's why they leave the cameras there. How do we do, Kubaloop? You pass this edition, man. Another win. All the man does is win. Like Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It's now time for... All right, let's do it. We'll do Ask Ben. We have a couple of questions we'll do now with Ask Ben. A couple of questions now, and then and then we'll do the full extended dance remix coming up. But we go over to Koopa Loop. These are your questions, our answers for the rest of the hour. Ben, we'll start with a question for you. All right. Uh, this is from Just Josh on Twitter. All right. It's the bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded. You're coaching the Maller Militia against the Fox All-Stars, and you're down to three guys on the bench to come up with that clutch hit. Okay. You've got Whoopi Pie Blair, yeah. Marcel in Brooklyn, oh boy. and Blind Scott. Who do you choose? Yeah, I'd go with Blind Scott. I I, I, I would go with Blind Scott. You can't Blind see the Scott. ball, man. Yeah, but he's aggressive and angry. Like, Whoopi Pie Blair. approaching. 
Yeah, he could hear it. He could hear the sound of husband. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's played blind baseball before Blind Scott. So he's t- he used to talk about that, blind football. They got the, all kinds of blind games. So I'd go with Blind Scott. And, and because uh, you mentioned, what, Marcel, right? You said Marcel was one of those guys? Yes. Marcel would be worried about eating oodles and noodles, right? Uh, and then some fan would tell Marcel, uh, "Hold, uh, don't hold the bat, drop it." And then he would drop it, right? Because somebody, whatever people tell him, he just repeats. And then, uh, and, and our friend Whoopi Pie Blair, uh, he'd be drunk. So uh, there you go. What about you, Eddie? Was that just for me? Yeah, it was just, oh, just for me. Okay, then uh, it's just for me. All right, another question. Here, we, what do we have? I uh, bet another one for you. All right, uh, back is, to back and belly to belly. This is from Ralph on Facebook. Hi, Ralph. Uh, what is your favorite fast food place? Yeah, I don't eat a lot of fast food these days, but uh, the one I do eat is uh, Raising Cane's, uh, Chicken Finger Place. It's not on. They have a drive-thru, though? Raising Cane's? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, they yeah. yeah. No, they have a drive-thru. Uh, that, that's my go-to spot for, for Chicken Fingers. I love Raising Cane's. Uh, it's great. My, my wife's more of a Chick-fil-A uh, woman. But uh, I'm all about raising canes. And back in the day, I, all I ate was fast food. That's why I had, they had to chop my gallbladder out of me. But I, I was big. I liked that big Montana at uh, Arby's. I used to eat that back in the day. Anything on Carl's. Tommy's. I remember we were talking Tommy's, about Tommy's. Yeah, we used to go to Tommy's. Uh, Tommy's over in Hollywood there. Uh, chili cheeseburgers, chili cheese fries at 3 in the morning. Can't oh, believe so I had good. my gallbladder chopped out of me. Uh, Carl's Jr., anything. Uh, you know, they have, uh, or Hardee's in the East. But Carl's Jr., they have any kind of big $6 burger or Western bacon cheeseburger or whatever. All good. Good. Uh, Wendy's, but only ate the chicken at Wendy's. You want me to keep going? Are you going to name every fast food? <laughs> well, I, I had a lot of fast food, Eddie. Uh, this is supposed yeah, to be your one, favorite. One favorite. Yeah. Ah, we're raising case. All right. Yeah. Um, there's a group question. One last one before we. Uh, okay. All right. Here we go. Group pause question. for the cause. Yeah. Uh, this is from Manic Mike. Have you ever found a foreign object or substance in your meal while dining out? Um. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. I, mean, I have not. I mean, foreign. What are you talking about? Like a condom or something like that? What is, what is I it? mean, I mean, that would that would count. Yeah. No. That, that, no anything that's no. not food. Uh, I, 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 I guess I've had meals where there were like bugs and stuff and in, in, in the salad, but I wasn't eating the salad. But I, I've gotten food poisoning where I think I probably ate some bugs or something like that. But I never actually. I don't. I don't recall off the top of my head. Maybe I'm forgetting it. Uh, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is like a hair, which is really good. Yeah, well, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's not I had a, a buddy of mine had a moth fly out of his taco one time. Uh, oh, that'll, that'll get you to not, that'll get you to not eat tacos. He's never eaten at that establishment again. Uh, that was like 25 years ago. Mm. Roberto, any weird things in your food? Yeah, a hair, but it doesn't really gross me out. Just take it off and keep eating, man. It's like floss, you know. Yeah, you can just kind of big deal. Yeah. All right. What about you, Coop? I, mean, I agree with you, Roberto. I mean, that's that doesn't bother me too much. But I have found, in, and it was actually in one of those fast food places that you just uh, mentioned. Well, I mentioned every fast food place. Um, it was in a, a place that does a burger from the West. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. And yeah. uh, I, if it was like a little rubber, uh, like like ball bearing kind of like thing. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you sue them for five million? No, I was like I was like thirteen. I just yeah. I took it out and I finished my chili cheeseburger. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's pause for the cause. We'll have more of Ask Ben. Your questions, our answers for the rest of the hour. Coming up next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. And right back to Ask Ben We Go, brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you'd treat you. Actual questions by actual listeners like yourself. We do not do shout-outs, though. People are demanding shout-outs. So I'm sorry, Matthew, and your two cute kids there, Ray and Helen, in Maine. Uh, We will not give them a shout out i hope they understand i know that you know the 13 and 10 and i think that's a good age uh they're up very early but uh, matthew we just can't do it i'm sorry ray and helen all right kuba loop what do we have here on aspen all right ben here is a group question from uh, manic right. mike very nice uh other than using the bathroom what's the first thing you do when you wake up for the day uh, check my phone as uh, I want to know what I missed when I was sleeping. And uh, I, I also occasionally I'll check my email, but I'll kind of do it with one eye, see if I got fired, you know, sometimes. Uh, what about you, Eddie? Well, I guess technically I put on my reading glasses, but then I check uh, the phone as old, well. Old guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. need any glasses, Eddie. I'm good. You know. No, I need them. No, I hate no, it, no. but I need them. All right. Yeah. Uh, Roberto? Same thing. Look at my phone with like one eye open. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I tend to wake up every like two hours. Really? It's hard for me to sleep, yeah. That's not good. Nah. Yeah. All right, well, what about you, Koopaloop? Yeah, I, I was going to say something else, but I, like now that you guys mentioned that, that's I guess that's true for me as well. It's the first thing I do. And, and I'm I'm like Roberto. Like I, I sleep a little longer than two hours, but I'll wake up like two hours before I want to, and I'll read the phone. But I got to do it quickly, because if I look at it too long, then I can't go back to sleep. <laughs> exactly, so it's got to be, yeah, a, it's gotta be yeah. a quick scan. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. I don't have too many messages, my, otherwise I'm screwed. My, yeah, my problem is I don't do a quick look, and then I stay up. And that's why I get like four, four and a half hours of sleep a day. It's wonderful. All right, to ask Ben your questions, our answers for the rest of the hour. What's next? This is a good one. Uh, this is for everyone. It's from Derek on Facebook. Hi, Derek. Uh, if you were given an envelope with the time and date of your death inside, would you open it? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, well, yeah, then I would have nothing to worry about. I'd be jumping off cliffs and all that before <laughs> then, right? I mean, you know, and you could certainly plan your uh, your end game, right? Yeah, check it out. Why not? You know. Although it's kind of fun living life not knowing when it's all going to end, you know. You never know. Today could be the day. Tomorrow could be the day. It could be you know, 100 years from now. What about you, Eddie? I definitely would not. I would obsess over you know, oh, whatever that date out. was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. ignorance is bliss, as they say. All right. Uh, what about you there, Roberto? Ah, yeah. I would, like, you know, I would definitely open up and yeah. take advantage, I guess, of the time that I well, have Well, yeah, because if you're guaranteed to live to that point and you can, you know, don't have to worry. Uh, yeah. Until that point, then uh, you know, then you got to really worry. If it when says you you're dead the it. next day, then oh well. Yeah, I guess. But I think when you're dead, you don't really, you know, you're not really concerned about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you don't have to worry about it then. Uh, what about you, Koopa Loop? I'm with Eddie. I, I I don't think I would look at it. I mean, it, I, I get what you're saying, Ben. It'd be nice to just like do crazy stuff that you wouldn't do otherwise. But I know myself. I'd be I'd be way too like if I found out it was like sometime soon in the near future. Yeah. I'd I'd probably be just a like a ball of stress and not even oh. be able to do that crazy ah, stuff. You know, it's gonna happen to us all eventually. You might as well just uh, enjoy whatever time you got. All right, uh, do I have time for a quick one here? Uh, there's a quick one Google for you. All right. Um, at your ugly sweater party, Ben. Uh, this weekend, by the way, this weekend. It says, "What is your drink of choice? Are you a 12 year old Scotch man like him, or do you partake into something a little more fruity and feminine?" No, I do a feminine root beer beer. Uh, it doesn't even taste like alcohol, and it has a high alcohol volume. <laughs> it's uh, not your father's root beer, and I love it, man. I'll be all over that this weekend. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.